Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! It's been a busy couple of days in the SU athletics landscape with storylines aplenty, and your favorite duo is back to break it all down. Hello and welcome into another summertime edition of the Fizz Five. Alongside Ethan Frank, I'm Liam Griffin. And Ethan, my friend, I got to tell you, with all that's been going on in the 315, it's been a really busy week, and I'm not going to lie, I'm really amped. It has, Liam. It, it has been a really, really busy week for it being, what, the last week of June? here uh, around the u.s and syracuse is just making news all over the place and and that makes our lives easy and it makes us (laughs) happy with stuff to talk about yes absolutely we do have a lot to talk about so let's go ahead and get into our first topic today number one so on tuesday unless i'm mistaken the acc announced a new scheduling format they have adopted a three five five format so what that means is Each team in the ACC will have three permanent opponents every year, and then they'll rotate the other five teams every other year. Syracuse's permanent three opponents are Boston College, Pittsburgh, and Florida State. Ethan, there's a lot to really dive into this, but my first impression is that it's a fantastic change. It'll be nice to see some more variety year in, year out in the schedule. Oh, 100%. And just looking at this 2023 schedule, you get to play a couple of teams you wouldn't usually play. Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and Virginia Tech, a team you just saw this year. Look at how exciting that game was. So when you get to face teams like that, you know, road trip to UNC, that doesn't happen often. Getting to face these teams more often, I think, is really exciting. And then you go ahead to 2024. You welcome Miami to the Dome for the first time in the ACC. Syracuse will have been in the ACC for 10 years and will have never had the Hurricanes at the Dome before. So I think it's really exciting. It brings out variety in the conference. It allows you to showcase, you know, how good you are against every team. The only bad side is that if Syracuse does not win the ACC Atlantic this year, they will never win the ACC Atlantic division. (laughs) Um, So that's the only downside, but I I think it's a good thing for the conference as a whole. You obviously still have a conference championship game with the top two teams at the end of the standings every year. I think it's a really good thing for the conference to get to be able to play multiple teams that you wouldn't have usually played with the division format. Yeah, so one of the first things I took away from this is that Syracuse no longer has to play Clemson every year, which with the exception of 2017, has been as good as an automatic L. So you don't have to deal with that every year. And now you get more matchups with the ACC seller dwellers of the, let's be frank, weaker coastal division. You get matchups with Duke and Georgia Tech more often. And let's be real, the Blue Devils and the Yellow Jackets aren't exactly aren't exactly ACC powerhouses, but one of the things that stands out to me is Boston College and Pittsburgh, I understand, but why Florida State, Ethan? It just feels like it was plucked out of the hat. Yeah, it seems like people would have thought Virginia Tech would have wanted to be the answer there, but I mean, okay, whatever. Florida State is, if they can get back to where they've been before, Getting a chance to play Florida State every year is just great from a competition perspective of your Syracuse football. 
I'd rather play Florida State than play half these teams. I'd rather play Florida State than Louisville every year. I'd rather play Florida State than play Virginia every year. I'd yeah. rather play Florida State than play Wake Forest every year. If you're just going to pick a random opponent, Florida State is definitely not a bad one just because of the pedigree of that program. And obviously, they've had a few down years in a row, but they're still freaking Florida State. Yeah, and our editor-in-chief, DA, wrote a very interesting article about this the other day, how going to Florida State every other year is sort of a recruiting pitch they can make to exactly high-profile yeah. players in Florida. And that's another thing, Ethan, is that this opens up recruiting a little more because now you're guaranteed to visit all 13 ACC teams over your four-year career. That's something that the SEC doesn't offer. That's something that the Big 12 doesn't offer. It's something that almost every Power 5 conference in the country does not offer. So overall, I think it's a net positive. I'm very fascinated to see how this goes down the line. And, you know, this upcoming season almost feels, I don't want to say sentimental, but it's the last time Syracuse will be playing all these Atlantic foes again. Yeah, it it will. And, you know, you may feel sentimental about that, but I don't really think it's that sentimental. (laughs) The The rivalries aren't too deep. Um, so you, talk, you know, what are you it, talking about? You don't think Syracuse, North Carolina State is going to go cold blooded years and years? It's a very good thing that Syracuse does not have to play North Carolina State every year because no because the Wolfpack have the oranges number right now. Feels like every team has the oranges number right now, my friend. <laughs> and and yeah, I mean, it certainly changes that dynamic because the Atlantic has, without question, been a more powerful division of the ACC as opposed to the Coastal. So I think it may shift the balance of power a little bit. And heck, it improves Syracuse's chances to get to the conference championship game. Just saying. That's true. That's true. You make a good counterpoint, Liam. Well, I cannot. You have to be Mr. Brightside sometimes. All right. That does it for football scheduling. I think it's clear that Ethan and I are both pretty excited about it. Let's move into topic number two. Number two. So this year's ACC Big Ten Challenge will feature the Syracuse Orange traveling to Champaign to take on the Illinois Fighting Illini, the fourth all-time matchup in program history. Illinois leads it 2-1. to Ethan, when you look at Syracuse's non-conference schedule right now, as of right now, this is the only non-conference game. I wouldn't lose my mind entirely if SU lost, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No, I don't think it's a bad thing at all, especially with the young team you're going to have. So when you look at things, obviously last year's non-conference schedule was one of the more difficult in Jim Beheim's tenure as head coach. And it looks like this year he's rolled things back a bit to where, you know, maybe he'll get picked on for Syracuse having a very light light non-conference schedule. But I think with this roster that he has, it is a good thing because it is going to take a while to really find the flow and find the right pieces that are going to be playing the big minutes on this team. So this game against Illinois is going to be a really big test and will really set the barometer for the potential of this team. You'll, you'll have been playing for a month already. So, you know, when this game comes around late November, early December, you'll have, you know, half a dozen games or so under your belt. And it'll be a really good test to see where this team is at heading into the end of non-conference play and the beginning of conference play there at the end of December. I, I, I really like the matchup. Um, yep. Yeah, pop the bubbly. We're headed to champagne. 
Yeah, Ethan, you of all people know that I want to see Syracuse play some high-caliber-ish opponents, and I think Illinois fits that mold perfectly because it's not a difficult matchup like a Purdue or Michigan where you're going to be sweating your bollocks off the entire game, but it's not a terribly easy one either. Yes, the Illini have had three straight 20-win seasons, but their big dog is no more. Kofi Coburn just signed a two-way deal with the Utah Jazz. He's been arguably the best big man in college basketball over the past few years. Losing him is going to derail this Illinois team emphatically. And I think it gives Syracuse a chance to win. Now, do I think they're going to win? Probably not. But is it realistic to expect them to keep it close? Absolutely. Yes, the Illini are a fantastic team and have really reshaped their program under Brad Underwood. But this isn't going to be the Illinois team we've gotten used to at the top of the Big Ten over the last few years. Uh, I might push back a little bit on that. Illinois has a lot of talent on this roster. Obviously, obviously, you know, you lose Coburn, Io DeSunmu, you lose him the year before. But you look at the recruits on this roster, you've got Sky Clark, the 31st-ranked player in the nation, four-star. You've got Ty Rogers, 49th-ranked player in the nation, four-star. Jaden Epps, 68th-ranked player in the nation, four-star. And then you got another four-star down below. So that's four four stars coming in right now. And of course, you got the Baylor transfer, Matthew Mayer, who played for a national champion. And then you also have Terrence Shannon coming in from Texas Tech. So this is this team is loaded, reloaded with talent. Brad yeah, Underwood did a really good job replenishing the roster. So, you know, you may have lost some guys, but you didn't lose everyone. And you sure as heck brought in some new guys with some talent as well. Yeah, they definitely did, Ethan. But at the same time, do they carry the same pedigree that Kofi does? No shot. Well, no one, no one, point, obviously. To your point, to your point. I do think they are a little more balanced than they have been in years past. I think they were a little top-heavy when they won the Big Ten tournament in 2021 and when they won the regular season conference championship this past year. They were a little too top-heavy. Now they're more balanced, which in a way makes them a little more dangerous. But the fact that they don't have that big weapon is encouraging to me. That being said, as of right now, Syracuse doesn't have a big weapon either. So the scales kind of balance a little bit. Now – I do have the Illini winning this game, and this is five months before it. We'll go Illini by 10. Yeah, I feel that's fair. Uh, I think this is a really talented basketball team in Illinois, and I would not be surprised to see this game be a blowout. To well, be honest. Either way, my friend, I mean, Halloween coming a month late to Champagne because there's going to be a whole lot of orange because the Illini also just happened to wear that wonderful color. That is true. I can't deny that. Yep. All right. Well, Syracuse, Illinois, November 29th in Champaign in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Let's move on to topic number three. Number three. Three former Syracuse basketball players will get their crack at the National Basketball Association. Buddy Beheim signed a two-way deal with the Detroit Pistons. Cole Swider signed a two-way deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. And Jimmy Beheim will play for the Pistons summer league team in Las Vegas starting just a few days from now. Now, Ethan, I w- I saw Buddy getting a two-way contract the second his collegiate career ended after he got suspended for the Wilkes slug against Florida State. I texted my dad, see him in the G League. But I did not expect Cole or Jimmy to get a shot. 
I I expected I to be honest, I expect Cole to be the best player of the three because he has better size than Buddy. He has better athleticism and their shooting is very similar. And obviously shooting gets you a lot of places in the NBA. I, I wrote an article about this earlier this week about, you know, what does success look like in the NBA for these two guys? I, I don't really count Jimmy. I don't think he'll do anything more than this, this summer league, 2022 NBA summer league. Um, but, you know, if Cole and Buddy are able to, you know, get a full NBA contract, I think that is a that is an incredible success. Absolutely. Uh, anything more than that is gravy. I think if they're able to turn a two-way into a full contract and be, I don't know, even if they're the 11th or 12th man on the bench, I still think that's a success based on where they came from and where how their college careers went and where they are now. Uh, a two-way deal is a great start. The Pistons are young. They're up and coming. I think that's a great fit for Buddy. Obviously, Troy Weaver and Jim Beheim go back many years to the 2003 and before. Um, so, you know, and some might say, you know, Troy's just helping out Jim's kids. But uh, Buddy really has talent, and uh, we'll see how that goes in Swider. I mean, the Lakers need all the cheap talent they can get with their roster. So if Cole Swider is able to come in and shoot the basketball, um, then I don't see how he can't make a difference. His defense is obviously a work in progress, but we'll see what happens there. But I, I expect Cole Swider to knock down a couple threes off passes from LeBron this year. Wow. Uh, first of all, you can say all you want about Troy Weaver's friendship with Jim Beheim. You don't just hand out summer league contracts or even two-way contracts regardless of how close you are with someone's family, you got to earn those. And I feel like that both the Bayheim brothers at least earned a shot, but I agree with you about Jimmy. I'm going to be, I'm just going to get to it right here. Jimmy Bayheim has Bayheim's army written all over him. He will be playing in the basketball tournament approximately one year from now in the summer of 2023. You can bookmark this, come back to it a year from now. Now, yeah, Ethan, the NBA today has been built around three point shooting. And I think, the Golden State Warriors, who just won the title, exemplify that with Curry, Poole, Thompson, to name a few. You bring, Buddy and Cole are both elite three-point shooters, especially Buddy when he really gets cooking. Now, I agree with you about Cole. He's better defensively right now. He's got more athleticism right now. But I feel like both of them need to get better defensively if they want any shot at a sustainability in the NBA. That's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, it's all about defense. We know their shooting is there. We know what they can do with the basketball in their hands. It's just all about if they can defend, and uh, and that is to be determined. Uh, one one other thing I want to add about Cole is that, and Jim Beheim harped on this a lot in press conferences all season, he has to be better putting the ball on the floor, right? He can't just wait in the corner for we're just going to throw in LeBron here, for LeBron to toss it to him and for him to let up a shot. He has to get better at attacking the basket. That's what made Buddy so much more dangerous as his career evolved because he got better at putting the ball on the floor, attacking the basket against smaller defenders, heck, even heck, even at times bigger defenders, and getting to the bucket. That's one of the missing elements of Swider's game that, Ethan, you think he can be the best out of this class? If he takes that next step in that regard, there's no doubt in my mind he will be. I agree. Yeah, if he takes the next step, and that's a big if. Big if indeed, but nonetheless, Buddy, Cole, and Jimmy 
all getting a shot in the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas, Nevada, Buddy and Cole with two-way contracts. Jimmy, a Summer League contract for now. Who knows where that he will head from there on forward. All right, topic number four. Number four. In SU Athletics, Titan has announced his retirement. Roy Sims III, who served as a coach in the men's lax program for many, many, many years, is heading to retirement. Ethan, when you look at Simmons' career, he really was Mr. Do-It-All. Yeah, I mean, the Simmons family has been in Syracuse men's lacrosse for, what, 100 years, basically, at this point? pretty much. So this will be the first time in a very long time the name Simmons is not have a hand in the team that is now run by Gary Gate, one of Roy Simmons Jr.'s greatest players, maybe his greatest player. So obviously, you know, you talked about – I remember Brendan Curry gave a press conference – uh, talking about how much you know Roy Sims the third meant to their team this year, so you know is just because he does stuff behind the scenes doesn't mean that he isn't making an impact. And this retirement will have a, a big impact in the locker room. I think um, this is someone a guy, a guy who does a lot of the dirty work for this team, who sets up everything they need, and has a relationship with all the players. So, you know, when that person is gone, obviously not like gone, gone, but just not around as much. I think it's obviously a big deal and we'll see how this team reacts. But it really is Gary Gate will have his own stamp in making his coaching staff and what is to be done after a very bad 2022 season. Very bad indeed. And that brings me to the point where it kind of feels like another crumbling blow to an already crumbling program of sorts you're coming off the worst season in program history a year removed from losing a hall of fame coach by the way and john desco and now you lose roy simmons the third whose family i mean heck his dad just got inducted into the ring of honor so or was it his grandfather i'm blanking on that right now either way one of the family legacy of simmons is already entrenched in syracuse and it just got even more so with Roy Simmons III's retirement and, you know, Syracuse men's lacrosse. I mean, our colleague John Eads wrote an article a few weeks ago on how and why they've become an ACC cellar dweller. I think ACC cellar dweller is an understatement after this past season. I mean, first 10 loss season in program history. Ethan, this feels like rock bottom for this program. Well, that means there's only the only way to go is up. So I guess that's a good thing. I, yeah. But I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, we know based on this past season, I can't imagine Syracuse will schedule an easy non-conference. So, and with the loss of Dordovic, I mean, this upcoming season feels like almost the season where they have to be reborn, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it'll be a completely new team, basically. It's the new recruit. It's this, it's Spelina starting and it's to see, you know, can he become a new leader, the new 22 of this team, basically, I think is how you have to look at it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how else you can look at it, but Roy Sims third heads into retirement. Family already built a massive legacy with Q's men's lacrosse. It is now even bigger. All right, our final topic of the day. Number five. On the women's side of lacrosse things, Syracuse got a big boost earlier this week. The Meg Show is returning, both Carney and Tyrell coming back for one final crack at a national championship. Ethan, I 
I was overjoyed when I saw these news because, I mean, if this team stays healthy, heck, even this year, if Ward, Tyrell, Cockrell were all, were all able to play, I think they have a legitimate shot at a natty. I think so as well. And uh, look at all the injuries you had and how they'll have to come back from them. And, you know, obviously you lose Harris, Chuck. Uh, she, uh, I, I don't think she has any more eligibility. I don't know how many years she spent in Syracuse, but Megan Carney is approaching on her territory at this point. Um, but, but you're right. Uh, it should be very exciting for Syracuse women's lacrosse. Kayla Trainer will obviously have a season under her belt to learn and use that experience for the better. And the talent on this team is is almost unmatched around the country. Obviously, you're in a conference that has North Carolina and Boston College, the two teams that played in the national championship game. So that's always tough. But those two teams, Syracuse played tough this year, and we'll see how they do against them this year. And we'll really see if the injury bug can stop happening. Maybe they got to change the turf or the dome or something. I yeah, don't know. But yeah, you know, these two these two to three big injuries for per year have to stop happening if Syracuse wants to win. Yeah, our colleague Ian Unsworth said, and I quote, oh my gosh, Manly Fieldhouse is cursed after Emma Tyrell went down. And with her and Emma Ward coming back, I'm almost getting a not to the as big of scale, but this feels like the last dance, almost making one last run at a national championship with this core that has come so close multiple times. And, you know, now that they've played a full season under Kayla Trainer. I think the chemistry is only going to grow even more because for as talented a team as they were, Ethan, they laid a lot of duds. I mean, I look at the Florida game. I look at Virginia in the ACC tournament, even Northwestern in the NCAA tournament, as talented a team as the Wildcats are, Syracuse had no business getting ransacked like it did. So when I look at all of that, I look at this last dance-ish vibes. I mean, it feels like now or never for this team. Yeah, this is this is the year. And if it isn't, then it's a disappointment. I think it if the final if you don't make the final four this year, it is a big disappointment. And that's really all I have I think to it say. It was a disappointment this past season not making the final. Well, four. I, I think you had the injury excuse. Well, what about the year before when they made they had the lo- they had already they had already lost to Northwestern once. They were playing on the road. They weren't expected to win that game. I mean, but I didn't expect them to get blown out like that. I, okay, yeah, but like, really, you expected them to win that game after it was basically just Tyrell and Harris Chuck. Okay, yeah. So I get what you're saying. I really do. But I mean, if things go south this year, particularly on the injury side, well, maybe not on the injury side of things, but if players get hurt like they did again, they have to do, I think they need to look at the training staff because. You can't have these star players suffer major injuries for three consecutive seasons and not start to get questioning. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Uh, something will have to change. Without, without question. That being said, got, if they don't get hurt, I think they win the national championship. You heard it here first. All right. Big prediction from Liam. Yeah, and that feels like quite the note to end the show on. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Fizz 5. You can catch all of our Fizz 5 episodes, all of our articles, and more on orangefizz.net. For Ethan Frank, I'm Liam Griffin. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.
And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.